The reading is from Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animal, animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to John, thank you very much indeed, and a very good morning to everybody. Lovely to see you here today. Uh, well, Claire got you thinking this morning about, well, what is a creed? And that's really where I'd like to begin today. Uh, Alistair McGrath, in his excellent book uh, called The Landscape of Faith, uh, gives us a cracking answer. He says, uh, the Christian church's attempt, this is what a creed is, the Christian church's attempt to tell believers and the world what it has seen, a transformative and utterly compelling vision of God which resists any attempt to reduce it to plain words. So an attempt to tell the world what we have seen. Now, let's see if you agree with Alistair McGrath at the end of this series. The, the primary and arguably only important foundation for Christians is, of course, the Bible. But in the second century, uh, short summaries, if you like, of the Bible's teaching, which uh, we have come to call creeds, uh, appeared. And they're summaries, uh, concise, quite terse summaries of the Bible's teaching. They're not replacements for it. And we're going to be concentrating over the next few weeks on the first uh, one that really appeared, uh, now called the Apostles' Creed. And it starts with an I, not a we. It's I believe. And it was used when new Christians were baptized as the summary of the faith that they spoke out and owned for themselves 
uh, when they were baptized, often on Easter Sunday. And the, the I, I believe, is really important uh, because it's something that I own for myself. I'm not saying it because everybody else here is saying it or because my parents say it or because uh, my church leaders want me to say it. I'm saying it because I believe it and I'm not ashamed of believing it. Now, you may already be thinking, well, we don't really need creeds uh, because we've just got the Bible. Well, of course we're, we only need the Bible, but the, the creeds aren't a replacement for the Bible. They're the summary, like a, a big-scale map of Christian life and faith. Mike, if we could have that first slide, uh, please. I want to show you, uh, this is, um, you'll recognize this, of course, it's the Isle of Wight. Uh, and it's, it's a big scale map of the Isle of Wight that tells you some of the key things uh, that are going on there. And in October last year, Naomi and I walked around at the Isle of Wight because uh, we, we felt we wanted a foreign holiday. <laughs> so <laughs> we got on a boat and we had half an hour on the ferry uh, to Yarmouth and we therefore we got our foreign holiday. Uh, now, if Naomi was here, she would say uh, that is more a theologian's map than a geographer's map. She's a geography uh, teacher, and she would be moderately uh, sort of, you know, down on this particular map. Um, but we're going to have one of those in a minute, so don't worry. Uh, this is a really good map to do some key things. It's a really good map to help us remember the holiday. It's a really good map to help us plan what we might do in a few days around the Isle of Wight. And it would be a really good map if you were showing a friend hey, look, we went to the Isle of Wight, and we think you should go too, because it's really cool. And you can go here, you can go here, and you can go here. And so as we look back at that map, we think, well, you know, that's the place you know, where we picnicked, and uh, that's the place that we got soaked in the thunderstorm, and that's the place just over there where we ate a fresh crab, and that's the beach with the nasty rip current, and just over around there, that was the place where there was that really grumpy bull in the field. You know, this map would not be much good for a delivery driver new to the Isle of Wight. And to be honest, this map would have been no good to us as walkers. We just walked around the coastal path. It doesn't give you enough information. Now you need a, a different, more detailed map, uh, like this one. Mike, if you could show the second one, uh, please. Uh, now, you'll immediately know. See, there's, there's the needles, um, and that's just that little bit on the uh, very west point of the Isle of Wight. Now, this is a brilliant map because it gives you loads of detail. You can see exactly where the coastal path runs. There it is in sort of in green dots uh, going along there. Uh, and, you know, that gives you, whether you're a delivery driver or a walker, that gives you a really detailed view of what is going on. Uh, even then, it's just a map. And actually, you've got to go there. You've got to go and smell the sea air. You've got to see the waves pounding off the bottom of the needles to really get an idea. Uh, Mike, if you could revert to the first one, and we'll keep it there for a bit. The creed, then, is a big-scale map of our faith. And it begins, I believe in God. And we should remember, of course, that everybody, whatever they say, all of us, not just here, but everybody, believes in something. It's not just Christians that believe things. Christians, we might have got ourselves a bit more organized uh, with the whole I believe thing, but everybody has a whole host of things that they value and treasure and hold dear. 
and the philosopher Wittgenstein, it, it was so brilliant at helping us to understand how language works, uh, wrote powerfully that we need more than logic and maths and science can provide if we are to live meaningful lives. And that means that whatever kind of life that we live, we will always believe things that are beyond what you can simply and mathematically prove. Uh, but saying I believe is not an arbitrary thing or a massive leap in the dark. We as Christians say I believe for many reasons. Christians would say that we live in a world that makes the most sense as a place created by a loving, compassionate, and deeply engaged God. That this is a God that we can trust. That this is a God who wants us to know what he's like and who he is. A God who looks at the rebelliousness and the hard-heartedness of human beings and is justly angry and dismayed angry because he cares so deeply and is so set against anything that defaces and damages and destroys the world and our fellow human beings made in his image. Angry because he is a good and a loving God and compassionate and merciful because he is a good loving God paying the price for our sin. Now we all have to make a judgment, don't we, about what we believe and whether it stacks up. And it's all the more so with the things that, we, that really matter, love and purpose and meaning. Whether you are a communist or an atheist or an ardent materialist or a Christian, we all arrive at what we believe is true and just and pure on more than the basic logic of two plus two. Uh, Richard Dawkins, who was famous for his new atheist view of science and uh, Christianity, uh, admitted in 2012 that really he should be classed as an agnostic, not an atheist. And that's partly because he's haunted by the realization that his own worldview is as much a set of beliefs as the religious worldviews that he so roundly condemns. Uh, pure, cold logic was never enough. All of us believe something. And as Christians, we have good and beautiful and compelling reasons to believe. We have them set out comprehensively in the Bible, and they're summarized in the creeds. One of the things that I most love about being a Christian is that there is a depth in our English word, believe, as we use it in worship. And for me, this is a great privilege. To say, I believe in God, means a number of increasingly important things. Uh, it first definitely means assent, agreeing. And so uh, I think this is true. So when I say, I believe in God, I think that is true. Uh, there is a God. I believe that uh, saying there is a God is the best and most truthful way to talk about our world and what's real and what's important. But there's more than that. To say I believe in God is also, for me as a Christian, it means that I trust in God. It's never just about what I think on an abstract or detached level. It's with the things of God, I believe is saying I trust in God. I place myself into God's hands. I turn back to him. I despair of my own sin. I with joy acknowledge that I can't do this on my own. Uh, 
But it's even more than that. Saying I believe in God is also and always an act of commitment to God. It's a joyful and willing self-surrender to God. It's saying, I don't want idols. I don't want second best. I want to live my life with God and for God. I want to walk through this world and this week as a child of God. And so the Apostles' Creed begins with the simplest, deepest of statements. I believe in God. Simple, yet revolutionary, and life-giving and life-affirming. And we will go on over the next weeks uh, to see the other key parts of the landscape uh, that are named in the Creed. God as Trinity, Jesus in history, Jesus as Redeemer, the highlights of the Christian life. And as we do so, as we explore and say the Creed each week, uh, here are three really helpful ways uh, to make it real to help it come alive and nourish your faith. First, when we say, I believe, we are telling the big picture of the Christian faith. In our services, we're always focusing in on one smaller part of the big picture. It'll be one passage, one theme, one truth. But in our singing and our praying and our worshipping, it's always wonderful to step back and to see the big picture of faith and to survey the highlights of the faith revealed to us. That's, that's the way we reset our horizon and we don't get overwhelmed with anxiety. Second, when, when we say, I believe, we say, yes, I am personally part of this believing community. I am an I, but I'm not alone. I'm part of a we. I'm part of the church stretching back through time to Abraham. I'm part of the church stretching out across the world. This is my place and this is my story where I belong, but I'm not alone. Thirdly, when we say I believe, we say to God, I'm willing to discover and explore more of the truth. I'm not going to be limited, we're saying, by my present imperfect understanding of the faith. Uh, there is more uh, to explore. There are places uh, to go back to. So if you look uh, again at this map, uh, when Naomi and I were walking around, we just went right round the edge. We didn't go to Carisbrook Castle, right in the middle, where uh, they imprisoned uh, Charles I, because it doesn't really work on a round-the-island uh, walk to go right into the middle and then back again. Uh, so next time we go uh, to the Isle of Wight, we're probably going to go there. And there are other bits that we didn't get to on our coastal walk that we'd go to again. In the same way, I've been saying for years and years and years as a Christian, I believe that Jesus descended to the dead. But it wasn't until I had to do a podcast about it on Easter Sunday, or Easter Saturday this year, that I'd even particularly thought about or read about anything to do with Jesus descending to the dead in detail. And so I had to. I was really enriched by the experience. Each time we say the creed, we get to revisit uh, the parts of the Christian story that were especially important to us. Uh, maybe Jesus' death on the cross. And that's really important. But we also we get to spot, as you would on this map here, the parts of the big story that we should still be curious about. And so maybe things that we say in the creed that as you're saying it, you stop and think, 
golly, I, I'm not entirely sure I know what that means. And that should send us uh, scurrying off uh, to find out more uh, and to talk to Brian, uh, because uh, he will know uh, what it means. Our love for God and our desire to live for him and to serve him in the world will only deepen as our knowledge and awareness and love for this big picture increase. So I thoroughly commend uh, the creed to you as this gift. Uh, it's, of course, it's created by human beings, and so therefore, of course, it's imperfect. But it is this big picture map that gives us a deep sense of belonging, and we should embrace it for that. Amen. <laughs>